This is the LarryInFishers.com podcast. I'm Larry Lannon. I'm continuing my series of podcasts with candidates for the Fisher City Council. Today I'm speaking with Tiffany Ditlifson. She's a candidate for an at-large seat on the Fisher City Council. She is a real estate agent, a military veteran, and currently serving as the president of the Hamilton East Library Board. And we are recording this podcast at the Fisher's Hamilton East Library. So, Tiffany, welcome. Great to have you with me today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Having me, um, I think you missed the most important descriptor that I go by, and that is, I am a mom. A mom. <laughs> well, you're welcome to add that. Then, how many, uh, how many young children do you have? I have one daughter. She is 22 years old. Oh, great. Uh, but it is absolutely probably the most defining role of my life. Uh, as you you said, I'm a veteran. I was uh, active duty for several years. Got my commission from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Served on active duty. After 9-11, I deployed to, uh, to Oman. Michaela was nine months old when I left. And when I came back six months later, she was walking and talking. Oh, my gosh. And I had to make a very tough choice if I were going to be uh, a military woman, an officer in the military and continue that career or if I wanted to be a mom. And I decided to to curtail my time in the military. And I loved every second of being on active duty, but I wanted to be a mom first. Um, and then since then, we've, um, we've done some genealogy research and my family's history in the military goes back to the American Revolution. Oh my goodness. So I had no yeah. idea the torch that I was carrying, um, but um, it was just a, a big part of me, a big part of my family. Every generation has served. Um, but when it came to being a mom, um, it was it was one of the things. It was an easy decision because uh, Michaela is uh, she's my world. She's a college graduate from IU, and she's down in Georgia working on her doctorate in chiropractics. Well, I'm proud of my daughters too. I have twin daughters, and <laughs> oh, uh, they're they'll be 30 years old soon. And uh, yeah, I, I could talk about them all day, yeah. but I, that's not the purpose of, of of this discussion. Before we start, just a moment to mention that Mike Fossil, the retired teacher at Fisher's Junior High School, and his teams, uh, the, he sponsored won several national championships for the We the People competition. Uh, he has family responsibilities and will not be able to join us, but I'm going to incorporate some of the questions that Mike asks because he asks. So many good ones. Let me start off with this. Uh, yeah, I've seen you at government meetings. I, as you, most people know, I go to a lot of government mm-hmm. meetings, and I've seen you at a number of government meetings for for a couple, three years now. And, of course, you are, you are serving locally in a number of ways. Uh, I just mentioned most of them, uh, some of them. There are others as well. So I guess the question I would ask you to start this off is why did you choose a run for city council at this time? That's a great question. So like you said, I've been active uh, for the last three years or so. I'm an empty nester. I have the time and the capacity. Um, when I was a, a mom, when I was actively momming, I was very engaged. I was PTO president for three years at Geist Montessori, very active cheer mom, and just saw the opportunity to use my skills and talent in a different way. Um, sometimes when we're doing community service, it you know it feels like we're, we're playing small, but I think we're growing our skills, growing our networks so that we can go on to do 
other things. Um, as I run for office, I see myself as every man, you know, regardless of, of gender or color or anything like that. I've, I've been here 16 years. I absolutely love living in Fishers, um, but I just see like some opportunities for us to ensure that um, that every man is included. And that's, you know, that's a lot of my platform is just looking out for the, the resident that's been here. Well, your Fishers uh, getting to city council business has just approved the city budget for 2024 just the night before we record this. You know, I've always said and written that a budget may be a lot of details and numbers, but it really does express a city's priorities in many ways. So how would you evaluate this? You've been coming to meetings. You've looked at the budget. Uh, how would you evaluate the priorities in that 2024 city spending plan? Sure. And um, I have not had a hand in putting together this budget. It very much reflects uh, major uh, made. Mayor Fadness's priorities and that of the current sitting city council. As I look at the budget, I think definitely the amenities are a priority, making sure that Fishers maintains um, its reputation as a great place to live and play. Um, the new community center coming online will be a very nice addition, in addition to some of the connectivity with the walking trails. That's something that's very, very important. Um, I think also there's some funding for first responders, and you know we all agree that staying as safe as possible is uh, pretty important. Yeah. I'm going to touch on some of that later, but as I mentioned earlier, you are the president now of the Hamlet East Library Board, and the library board has been in the news lately. Uh, the Public Access Counselor's Office uh, did issue an, uh, an advisory opinion, essentially saying there was a violation of the open meetings law. You responded that the board will be uh, conducting training on how to comply with this law. So my question is just, how did this happen? Um, I was not at the meeting. Um you know, that was a former president and another member. Uh, they were there with legal counsel. So I, I actually have no no idea. Um, I was not there. Um, as the current president of the Hamilton East Public Library Board, it's just my, um, it's my goal and duty to ensure that we follow all of the rules and laws that govern how we, um, how we take care of the entity that we're charged to oversee. Um, you know, we all have, a, I think, a heightened interest in making sure that we comply. I want to give you a chance to comment on this because there's been much conversation locally about the organization Moms for Liberty. Now, my question to you is this. In what areas would you say you agree with this organization and in what ways would you disagree with the Moms for Liberty? Sure. That's a fantastic question. I'm glad that you've asked that. I've uh, been called a Mom for Liberty and to be quite honest, in July of 2022, I liked their uh, Facebook page along with many other people here locally. And when they had their newsletter come up and got all of the extra attention, a lot of people dumped out of their page. Um, my There was a screenshot of me and my daughter that went, it was like the shot heard around the world. And that was one of the um, that was one of the pictures that people used saying that I supported Mom for Liberties. And I never formally denounced the group because you've already taken a screenshot and I'm not going to be pushed around by the media or by people who are hiding faceless behind uh, profiles on Twitter or Facebook. So I'm not going to let you push me around. Um, but the other part of that is, is like that organization started because they wanted to get kids back in school. They wanted to decrease um, masks. And I just saw them as a, a group of involved parents. Um, some people will brand them a hate group, but I've seen more hate and vitriol from uh, moms and fishers <laughs> than I have moms for liberty. So I think we have to be really, really careful how we brand different organizations. Um, I just really saw them as a, a group of 
a group of moms who are concerned about getting kids back in school. So you're saying you agree with their uh, stance on COVID policy. But have you disagreed with them on any specific issues? Um, let's see. Um, like what? Well, I mean, like I said, I'm not. I'm not in their group. I don't. I don't get their emails. I don't pay any dues. I don't go to the meetings. Um, when I liked their Facebook page in July of okay. 22, it was purely based on their stance on, um, you know, getting kids back to school, decreasing the masks. Um, it was not that I was like fully aligned going to meetings. It was it was nothing like that. It was nothing that it was um, blown up to be. Move on to this. Fishers, I would say, you know, I moved here in 1991. It's a much more diverse place today than it was when I moved here at that time. As of today, what's your view on how Fishers has handled the increased diversity you see in this city? Um, that's a that's a great question. When I moved here 16 years ago, um, I guess it was not the most diverse place. I don't remember seeing a lot of diversity in my neighborhood. Um I think they've, they've done a, a pretty good job. I feel welcome and included wherever I go. Um, I know that there are lots of other groups that um, have events. Um, I know there's a cultural arts group. Um, I know I went to the Juneteenth celebration that was at Connor Prairie this year. And I feel like we're doing the right things to make sure people feel involved and included. Um, but I will also tell you when I moved here, 16 years ago, I moved here as a, you know, I was working corporately. It was my job to, you know, get my daughter through school and be an involved parent. And it was through my daughter's activities that I experienced Fishers. So um, the parents at Geist Montessori, we are a wonderful community, very, very diverse. Um, you know, pa parents from all kinds of backgrounds, children of all types of capabilities, all mixing together to ensure that our children got great um, great educations. Michaela was a student at Herb Johnson's Karate. She got her black belt there. And that, again, was a different group of parents and people. And uh, Herb Johnson was a, a wonderful man. Um, that was a big part of our life. Uh, the confidence that he taught Michaela, um, you know, doing her karate. We went to competition. It was a, it was a really great thing considering um, I'm divorced and Michaela's dad was not overly involved because he was still in the military. But the positive male role models that she got at the karate studio were absolutely fantastic. Uh, she went on to do cheer at, um, at Dana Mannix. Again, lots of diversity there, lots of different families. So my my lens of diversity was the parents that I interacted with at different events and different um, different activities that my daughter participated in. And I always felt invited and included. And if people had questions, they would always ask a question. There were a couple of hiccups, but everything was fine. Yeah, because I, I would have to say that, uh, especially years ago when my daughters were in school, that was a lot of what I experienced with their friends and their parents and seeing the different backgrounds people have. Uh, yeah. But I will also tell you that um, Fishers is different. It's a professional, you know, kind of affluent community. And I always felt like this is exactly where I fit in. And the only difference might have been that, uh, you know, that was brown. And I think once we started talking about like life experiences and the work that we do and our goals and visions that it didn't really matter because we all wanted to live in this community and, and be safe and have a good time and raise our kids. And uh, 
you know, shut out a lot of the uh, the outside world. I think that's true. We always uh, there may be things that divide us, but the things that unite us are much more important sometimes. So I, I agree. think that's 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 good. What you, what you just said. Now, well, this is a Mike Fossil question. If if you are elected to the council, what would be let's say your top three goals that you would like to accomplish during that four year period? Sure, that's a great question. Um, top of my platform is. Um, public safety and traffic safety, of course, fully funded first responders, and we're well on our way there. Um, highly trained police are less likely to have um, less likely to have problems interacting with public. And I think that's something that we see here so much in Fishers. Our police officers are absolutely wonderful, engaging with people of all different backgrounds and ages. And I'm very, very proud of that in our community. Uh, traffic safety has my attention. I live in Spyglass, and that's where that fatal motorcycle accident occurred. So definitely doing some things around traffic safety has my attention and really trying to find low-cost solutions um, just to, to make things a little bit safer, so a little bit more traffic regulation. When you run for city council at large, you get a different flavor for the city, and traffic issues come up uh, in every pocket of Fishers. The other thing, and I've not really talked about this, is I, I think that we need to do a better job with communication in the city. We don't have one newspaper that we read. We don't have one TV station. And I don't know what mechanism that we need to have. I don't know if if a council of HOA presidents would be the way to go, but just a way that we can have this this up the chain and down the chain uh, communication so that we can share ideas, synergies. You know, most recently at some of these council meetings, people want to talk about the trash service. Um, uh, the office that I work at is off of uh, 104 and Oleo at the FC Tucker office. And there are men who walk up and down Oleo Road picking up trash. Um, I've walked in neighborhoods and I've seen a lot of trash. And I think it's it's kind of interesting. But also, I was in a neighborhood I was in um, – Let's see, I was in a neighborhood that's part of Canal Place, and I saw the new trash man come by. And in my neighborhood, in Spyglass, it's the machine, and the, he has the arms, and it grabs the trash can and picks it up and dumps it in. And this particular trash can that I saw, trash truck, it was a man. And it was the man grabbing the truck, the dumpster and putting it into the back of the truck. And he was not 100% precise. And so there was some trash that got away from him. And if me and another homeowner hadn't been standing there, I don't know if he'd been if he would have been as diligent about picking up some of the trash. So I think that that's something that we're going to start to really want to talk about on a bigger level is our, our trash service here, some of the experiences that people are having, because um, it's the suburbs. Let, let's be honest, it's the suburbs. What are suburban issues? You know, who's picking up my trash? Is my mailman coming? Are my Amazon packages safe? You know, do I have? Um, do I have potholes in my neighborhood? Can I safely drive on the streets? Uh, you know, are the lanes marked well? You know, what's going on there? So I think that we just need to come back to some of the suburban issues and have some of that dialogue there. So definitely public safety, traffic safety, communication is very, very important to me, too. You know, you mentioned safety, and this is a question Mike Fossil has asked several candidates. We have in Fishers what is called by insiders a Swiss cheese problem. We have these enclaves of areas that are within the city but are not part of the city. It really goes back to the days when Fishers was a town, was trying to expand certain areas and certain people did not want to be annexed into the town, so the town just grew around them. A great, great example is Promise Road where I, I used to live years ago and 
you can't walk from uh, Sedona Woods, the, uh, the neighborhood I used to live in. You can't walk to Fisher's High School safely. There are no sidewalks. And the reason are very few sidewalks. The reason? Because we have these Swiss cheese areas. Those areas are not part of the city. Therefore, the city has not been putting sidewalks in there. And there are other examples, 126, 131st, they have examples of that. So my question to you is, do you think there is, and again, that's a public safety issue just specifically, is there a way the city should try to, to, to figure out a way to solve that problem? That's a very interesting question because, you know, for the city to solve the issue of, uh, I guess, sidewalks that do not connect, that would be the city investing resources in areas that are not part of the city. So I think that there's a conversation that needs to be had about the, the benefits and um, the cons of, of joining the city. So that, that's the conversation that those areas need to have about why they'd want to be annexed or not. But certainly, um, I know the, the budget that we have and you know, committing resources in areas that don't necessarily belong to the city, that can grow, draw the air of quite a, quite a few people. So it's one of those conversations. It's like, do you want to be part of the city? And if so, let me tell you what we can do for you. And uh, last night at the city council meeting I mentioned where the budget was passed, there was a, an interlocal agreement reached with Delaware Township. They're going to build some sidewalks on 131st Street to connect to a trail. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that's one, mm -hmm. that's one solution that was found yeah. in that. Now, whether that could be done citywide, that's another mm -hmm. matter. Yeah, and Debbie Driscoll, she's a wonderful champion oh, of that. So. And, and Debbie is a wonderful lady. I've known her for a while. You've been campaigning door to door. I'm curious, what are you learning from these conversations? Oh, sure. That's a great question. Absolutely love going door to door. And again, I'm walk I'm walking at a, you know, at the, I'm running for at large. And so we talk about some of the larger issues in Fishers. Um, crime comes up time and time again. People live in the suburbs and they want to be as safe as possible. We recognize that we live between Marion County and Madison County and that um, the rates of crime outside of our county and our city are different. So people definitely want to be safe as, you know, people who border 96th Street and also the folks who are up in Britain Falls. So safety comes up time and time again. And then also our roads and streets come up. Uh, you've got families who have very young drivers. Um, I was walking in Spyglass Falls and I, I met a nice man who's wa walk, working in his front yard. And he said that he will not allow his uh, young drivers to turn left, hmm. leaving the neighborhood. So that was definitely his concern. Um, let's see, we've got older drivers too, and they talk about uh, lanes not being well marked. Um, and then also there's the flashing yellow arrow. So I think definitely traffic issues, traffic safety comes up time and time again, because that's where we mix. You know, it's at the end of the day, you know, we're all going to hop on the roads and go someplace. And traffic safety, people going through yellow lights, blowing red lights, being the last person to make that left-hand turn. And I was with a gentleman in Britain Falls, and he said, um, he said something to the effect that if you can't follow traffic laws, then you don't have a lot of respect for the law. And it, it just kind of really just hit me in a different way, kind of his perspective on if I can't trust you to follow the local laws that are going to keep us safe, you know, what else would a, would a person consider doing? Also, when I was up in Britain Falls, I learned that people um, drag race on Atlantic Street. And and so the, the thing is, is that, like, you learned you learn so many different things that affect the experiences that are people are having in Fishers. You know, there's folks who live off of Fall Creek and, you know, the traffic, traffic over there goes about 40 and you've got school buses there in the morning and the evening and they don't always feel safe. Um, and 
when I moved here, we used to live outside of D.C. I moved here because it was a safe place, and that's one. That's what I wanted for me and Michaela, and I feel like everybody deserves that here in Fishers. Having spent just a little time in D.C. now and then in the work that I used to do, uh, there's no con- <laughs> there, there, there's no way to compare D.C. Uh, and its suburbs with Fishers. We've got our issues. Go to D.C. and drive sometime. Yeah. I, I try not to do that if I can yeah. help it, but uh, nothing wrong with that. It's just a different It is very, mindset. very different. So we yeah. lived in uh, PG County, mm-hmm. and when the D.C. sniper was um, active, he shot uh, like a, a school-aged child outside of a school, and that school was at the entrance to our neighborhood. Oh, my gosh. And so mm-hmm. it was a tough conversation about do I use the, the public schools or do I you know, send my kids to a private school and you know how safe are we here? I used to live in Northern California. We lived in Sacramento. And um, my husband and I, we were both in the military, and I would drive an hour north to Beale Air Force Base, and he would drive an hour south to Travis. And so there was nobody at the home during the day at all. And we got robbed in some uh, we got robbed twice in one day, actually. So I think the night before they broke into my car. And then the next day when we were gone, they came into the house and they came in through the back of the house and, you know, went through everything and, you know, stole some jewelry. And uh, But what was insult to injury was that they took a clothes basket <laughs> and put their loot in a clothes <laughs> basket. <laughs> So my husband and I, we were having this conversation and we're like, oh my goodness, they took this and they took that. And he served in, um, he'd done some time in Saudi Arabia and had some really, really gold pieces of jewelry. But we were kind of getting ourselves together. And I was like, well, where's the clothes basket? And I'd bought like some things at the Gap and like (laughs) they'd taken the clothes basket too. So definitely, you know, all of the places that I've lived on active duty when I was married, Fishers has been the safest place that I've lived, and it gives me a great sense of security. And for the last 16 years, it's been wonderful. And you asked earlier about like running for office mm-hmm. and, and why I want to run. I think every family deserves that safety and that peace of tranquility that I have. And children growing up, they deserve that too. If you're going to move to Fishers, it should be a wonderful place and a safe place to raise your family. Well, the HSE schools have a funding referendum on the same ballot your name will be on. Uh, a yes or no as to whether or not to support a, a funding referendum uh, and a property tax uh, levy for that is actually going to reduce the rate that had been there before a little bit. But the city council has unanimously on a bipartisan basis uh, supported that referendum. The mayor has supported it. I've checked your website. You are supporting it. So explain why you are supporting the referendum. Sure. So it, it, it is interesting. My daughter finished at Cathedral High School, and they didn't have referendums. They had tuition increases. So <laughs> so you really it was really not a conversation. You just paid the higher tuition, and they had other ways of funding their schools. I think of it like this. The, the state funding formula gives us enough money so that we can have an okay, good enough school. And up until 2016, the local schools were fully funded. So you move forward, and we decide that we just don't want okay schools. We want great schools, and great schools are what the referendum allow us to do. I think of the referendum as having local control over our school's budget. Our schools aren't overspent. They're simply underfunded for what our community wants, needs, and desires. Uh, Voting yes for the referendum is voting yes for smaller class sizes. It's voting yes for being able to recruit and retain teachers. It's voting yes for these experiential learning adventures that children are having. And it's voting yes to expanding the SRO program. So anybody who thinks that larger class sizes, you know, less security, less... um, 
you know, less benefits for teachers is the way to have a thriving school district. Um, and I cannot understand why anybody would vote no for the referendum. I understand that we do have new school board members, and maybe there are some ways to certainly find some efficiencies in the budgets and some places to um, cut back. But voting no on the referendum is is not going to be that path there. I don't believe that they have a a budget that says, oh, we can do these things without this money, um, depending solely on the state funding formula for our HSC schools is not fair to our community and it's not fair to our kids. And the referendum is local control for us to have great schools. Another subject here. You were appointed to the library board by the Hamilton County Council. The people, uh, the entities that have appointment authority over the Hamilton East Library board members would be the county council as you were appointed, the county commissioners, the Noblesville schools, and the HSC schools. But the cities don't have any appointees. Would you favor a change in the state law allowing cities like Fishers and Noblesville to have appointees to the Hamilton East Library Board? If if that's what you know local entities want, I I think that would be great. Uh, two more people, one to represent Noblesville and one to represent Fishers. I'm I'm sure that would be fantastic. But the mix of people on. Um, on the council, so you have a Noblesville school representative. I think they have two. There's two, yes. And we have one from HSC. Um, I think that our appointing authorities do a really good job ensuring that both the city of Fishers and the city of Noblesville are adequately reflected in um, on the library board. So, you know, they're very um, – purposeful to make sure it's not all Fisher's people and it's not all Noblesville people. So without the cities having a, uh, a true representative, they are represented on the library board. Well, the reason I ask that question is the mayor, I think, uh, has voiced the uh, opinion that he would like to see the cities have uh, an appointee on, on the library board. So you're open to it is what I'm hearing you say. Sure, I'm open to it. But I, th- I do also think that people should not feel underrepresented. Because there are people there representing, you know, both Noblesville and Fishers. But if they're if they can change state law and get some more people on there, so that the cities feel that they have somebody working in their best interest, then that would be fantastic. You mentioned some of your priorities if you are elected to the council. But one thing that saw I found on your website, you you want to, and I quote here, build business partnerships mm-hmm. to benefit young workers. Oh yes. What did you mean by that? Sure. So um, I'm very, very blessed. I have my fourth high school intern working with me. Uh, That's one of the things that I do with – this is my fourth one from the high school system. And I love the opportunity to work with young people. Watching my daughter go through high school and go through college, and when I look at the number of children who come out of high school or come out of college and don't quite know what's next or what's available – or trying to get into that professional world. It's a lot of it is like jumping rope and it's already moving. That was not one of my great skills in elementary school. And I would always have to start in the middle and they'd have to move the um, the jump ropes around me. So I do think that here in Fishers, we have a wonderful opportunity to build a network to help young people find their way in the professional world. We have so many professionals. We have active professionals. We have retirees. And, and actually it came to me, I did a 
one of my fundraisers, and I had a lot of older, very established and successful people there. And I just remember thinking, I wish I had more young people here. I wish I had people here who could meet some of these elected officials and business owners so that they could just get a little bit of a heads up. I've sat through school board meetings. I know that they talk about after school going into enlistment, joining the local economy, getting a job and seeking higher education and then also getting certifications. But I think sometimes that that can be daunting for kids to understand. One of my friends, uh, Mindy Irish, her son is a he went from HSC and now he's a welder and he's happy and he's making great money. But giving young people the opportunity to talk to people and understand career choices, career opportunities. Like I said, I have a high school intern. I'm a realtor. You know, I'm teaching somebody how to run a business. I'm teaching her how to prospect and how to ensure that at the end of the day, no matter what business you're in, you're able to ensure that you have clients who know you and want to work with you and you're building your professional reputation. So there are a lot of things that we can offer young people. And that really excites me. It's it's this it's this service, it's this rent, it's this gratitude that we owe them. At every stage of my life when I've had critical decisions, there have been people who've helped me um, Lieutenant Colonel Larney McClung helped me get my Air Force ROTC scholarship. Lieutenant Colonel Mark Claude Felter and his wife Donna, they got me through the ROTC program. They did not have any children of their own, but they were directly responsible for getting about 75 young people onto active duty in the Air Force. Uh, Lut- uh, Colonel uh, Joseph DiRosario got me through um, a really, you know, got me through a challenging time in the military. He made me his executive officer, and I was actually the most uh, powerful first lieutenant on the base, so that was really good. And then um, Scott Reck, when I transitioned over to pharma, and Joe McDonald, when I transitioned over to real estate. So at every point where I was at um, a fork, somebody's always lent a hand to me and and given me some advice and taken me under their wing. And I just think that that's something that we can do for young people as they're making those first steps into the professional world. We're about out of time, so this is uh, the end, and this is what I give all candidates an opportunity to do. Take a minute or two and explain why voters uh, at large and the entire city of Fishers, where you are running, uh, should vote for Tiffany Ditlifson. Thank you so much. So like I said earlier, I'm a mom, I'm a veteran, I'm a realtor. I've lived in Fishers for the last 16 years, and I absolutely love living here. And I really feel like I'm running as every man. I care about keeping our city safe. Uh, Crime, reducing crime is very important to me. Also keeping our roads and streets as safe as possible. Like Larry said, building uh, partnerships with businesses and young people so that they can get opportunities in the in the, the world so that they can build their careers. That's very, very important to me and making sure that we have the amenities. So I've lived here 16 years and I, when people see my name on the ballot, I want them to know that I'm running to preserve the essence of Fishers. Tiffany Ditlifson is a Republican running for an at-large seat on the Fisher City Council. So, Tiffany, thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me.